This is the Pennyworth Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Pennyworth Season 2, Episode 2, The Burning Bridge. We got the money. What money? We got enough money now for the bribes and the transit papers and the visas. We're going to America, Mum. A new life. Just now, on the telly, a man in America died from a bear having a go at him. They get up to all sorts, the animals over there. Not everywhere. Not in the cities. I keep telling you I'm not going and you keep acting as though you can't hear me. New life, he says. What am I going to do with a new life? Well, I'm not going to leave you here, am I? What if the neighbours came round and saw you like this? Like what? There's cobwebs on the mantel and you're on the sherry and chips watching Bonanza. If Dad was here, he'd say, where's your gumption, Mother? He'd say, pull your socks up. And I'd tell him where to shove his bloody socks. And bugger the neighbours! Welcome back, Governors, to the Pennyworth Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Pennyworth, Season 2, Episode 2, The Burning Bridge. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Governors. Season's greetings. I am one of your other hosts, John. Yes. yes. Happy holidays. Just a couple of days away from uh, from Christmas. I know. Yeah. Kind of cool, isn't it? It's like, like, like it's uh, a brand new year for us because we're going to be out of lockdown for Christmas. <laughs> Woohoo! Seeing other humans, having dinner with them. Yes, and things are deep and crisp and even. Well, yes, yes, they are. Yes, it's quite nippy at the moment, for sure, with the frost. <laughs> yeah, a bit cold, a yeah. bit cold outside. I yeah. suppose, as Alfie, Dave Boy and Baz would say, stay frosty. Uh, they might, yes, yes. Certainly back in that army days. Yeah, boots on, boots on. Yeah, we're going to talk about the second episode of Pennyworth. A uh, bit of a setup episode this time. What did you think overall, John, of uh, of this episode? No, I mean, I, I thought this was... This was good. It was fine, but it, it was very much setting things up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really was putting the the pieces in place. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it, it dropped uh, uh, compared to the the first episode for me. Um. But still, you know, there were some really nice touches in here that mm-hmm. kind of made me smile, uh, and I really liked. But certainly, this this felt more of an, an episode that needed to just kind of set the scene for what comes next, whether it be with Thomas and the CIA, mm-hmm. with Crowley, uh, whether it was um, the with the, the money issues that Alfie has, yep. and also uh, what ultimately may happen with Project Stormcloud uh, with the Raven Union. Yeah. Um, so it just felt like one of those episodes. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, it, just not as good as um, the first episode for me. Yeah. But I mean, we'll we'll get into that, I suppose. Yeah. As I say, I still think there were a lot of really nice touches throughout this episode. Definitely, yeah. it's it's the second episode of the eight episode season. But yeah, lots of setup in here, lots of uh, really interesting ways that they've dealt with the characters uh, to set them up for the rest of the series. So uh, let's talk all about it. Uh, we will talk obviously in full spoiler filled detail about Pennyworth season two, episode two. Make sure you watch the episode before you continue on listening. Obviously, although um, I do think. I've probably spoilt most of it bits. by just saying
saying what I just said. <laughs> so bit. apologies, fellow yes. governors. But we do want to hear your thoughts of the episodes as you go through them. Uh, make sure you email us with your thoughts to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, please subscribe over at tvpodcastindustries.com. Or you can find the Pennyworth podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google um, Podcasts. Or um, any other straight-laced or groovy podcast catcher. Yeah. Groovy. Exactly, exactly. Uh, let's get into the episode itself, John. Uh, the episode, once again, written by Bruno Heller, one of the showrunners for the show, and directed by Danny Cannon once again. I know that switches over as the season goes on, um, but nice to see the two uh, creators of this show and two of the creators of Gotham back together for another episode of the show. Definitely, and of course it will hopefully all lead to the final episode being written by Bruno Heller and directed by Danny Cannon. Or maybe vice versa. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, just to sort of link in with your your current theory mm-hmm. and I think rule of good TV shows yeah. that um, the showrunner normally always writes at least the first and the last episode. Yes, yes, very much so. And I think Bruno Heller wrote almost every episode of season one as well. So likely that he's at least uh, got, a, got a co-writing credit for the final episode of the season. But uh, that's still my working theory. Um, I have heard some rumours that occasionally showrunners do take uh, some some more credit for writing of episodes than they perhaps deserve sometimes. So uh, so it may not be a full rule, um, but I have noticed when the showrunner's credit isn't on the last episode, it usually means they've run off and joined another project. Uh, so the show kind of goes off the rails in those final episodes. But John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. Alfie and the boys have money and are ready to head for a new life in the USA. But Alfie is having trouble telling Sandy at the Delaney Club of his decision to leave England, and he still can't convince his mum to move with him, as she still struggles with the death of her husband and Alfie's involvement in that fateful night. As the Raven Union make plans to press their advantage over the English League, differences between Lord Harwood and Francis Gaunt bubble to the surface over the terrifying Project Stormcloud. To make things worse for the English League, the CIA has decided to undermine their leadership as they go after British PM Archbishop Potter over his moral stance against the newly developed hydrogen bomb. While Thomas is uncomfortable with this course of action, he makes plans to employ his old satanic adversary Anthony Crowley to discredit Potter. Elsewhere, Bet Sykes is still on the run from the Raven Union with her hostage Katie Browning, and Alfie finds himself embroiled in another hostage situation. With his mum kidnapped, Alfie, Dave Boy and Bowser attempt to rescue her, but things head south quickly as Inspector Aziz and the police interrupt the hostage negotiations. In the confusion, the ransom of £20,000 is taken by the kidnappers, and while his mum is safe, the loss of the money puts Alfie's American plans very much on hold. Well, you knew this was going to happen at the start of the season, wasn't it? The, you have to kind of take away that uh, that bridge, I suppose, uh, to America. That idea that Alfie could be running off any episode to brand new locations uh, into into season two. Yes, so, there um, will be no um, American uh, shots in this season. Yeah, I think. I think we might get another right at the end, maybe. Yeah, perhaps, or we may get another one of those uh, those scenes in a bunker while. Um, Thomas Wayne debriefs the CIA again, perhaps. Uh, that's in America, isn't it? Yeah, 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 that's definitely in America. <laughs> no outdoor shots in America. <laughs> or maybe they will arrive and uh, someone gets attacked by a bear uh, at the end of the season. Exactly. Or my favourite, Killer Croc. <laughs> well, absolutely. Maybe no. he's already there. He is sort of in the sewers. Yeah, well, that would be the DC tie. And I was just more talking about the fear of Alfie's mom that uh, she'll get attacked by a bear if she goes to America, well, which was true. a very, very funny uh, quote. 
let's talk about the episodes the way we've been talking about them uh, over this season. We're going to be splitting up our episodes into what's been happening with Alfie and the boys, what's going on in the Raven Union, and what's going on in the English League. And if we have any other notes or any other thoughts about the episode, we'll wrap them up in notes at the end. Um, lots of stuff going on with Alfie and the boys. We have, once again, almost exactly the same scene, I thought, um, for Alfie and the boys together kind of setting out their plans to go to America. It was almost exactly the same scene as we saw last week. They all drank together, had a cheers and said, we're off to the States. And you're going, okay, you've repeated that for two episodes now. Yeah. This ain't going to go bad. It's not going to go well, sorry. (laughs) Exactly. I I do think the interesting thing is Alfie always seems to have a huge pile of money on his desk. Mm -hmm. And I know he's got a safe and I'm just like going... Put the money in the safe. Hmm. Um, because I, well, I thought it was probably just going to get pinched and, and stolen by someone. Right. Um, rather than what actually plays out in this, uh, this episode. Well, with, I have with to their th- hostage situation. Yeah. I have to say, the pile of money that was on the, uh, on the table in this one, as he's pouring out the champagne for his boys and it, all the champagne just pours over the money. Does that increase money's value to have champagne on it or decrease money value uh, when you pour champagne all over it? <laughs> well, it also depends how much champagne you buy with that money. Well, yes, if you buy it, but not pour it over it. Then. Exactly. But the other interesting thing we found out is that Alfie does own Delaney's club That's right. in, in this episode. We yeah. weren't entirely sure uh, in our episode one coverage, but yeah. he does actually own it. So I'm just there thinking, you know, he really is um, not letting go of his army background. Um, you know, that PTSD that we kind of saw in, in season one with the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he likes the edge. He, he, he likes that thin line and, and that adrenaline rush of going on these missions because I'm just thinking a very successful club like it appears to be mm-hmm. must be raking in the old money oh, for, for Alfie. So it's not just his kind of side projects, yeah. but he is, he should have loads of dosh. Yeah. I would say he should be in America already. Yeah. Um, but there we go. I'm just saying. I think just he, saying. I think he just has that feeling that the club's teetering on the brink. Remember, it's in a, a currently safe zone in Soho and um, probably quite close to the, uh, to the lines, uh, effectively the, the war lines that we, that are, that have been drawn around yeah, London so I kind of think he does know that it, somebody's going to come in and take that club out from underneath yeah him. it's precarious isn't it yeah. absolutely yeah for sure I think just also on on the champagne you know I have never drank champagne from those types of glasses the ones that you do see from like the 20s and 30s yeah. um that that kind of almost like a cocktail glass now you you kind of get margaritas in it or yeah. something it's always a flute glass that's right if yeah. I have like sparkles yeah. um rather than that so i'm like going i wonder when the s- switch happened on that when it became more fashionable to have it in a flute glass i know fox apologies fellow governors this is a slight sidetrack but it's just kind of how my mind worked when I saw um, them swigging out of, I suppose, ye olde champagne classes. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. That's that's the one that I, I, the reason why I know it so I've seen it so often, I suppose, is that it's the um, the clip from Great Gatsby with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio cheersing. That's been turned into a gift for for celebrating everything. Yeah, he's using that glass. He's not using a champagne. And the place, champagne so. tower that they normally do, where they stack all the glasses yes. into a pyramid and then pour. The uh, expensive bubbles uh, yes. across the whole of the the 
the pyramid. Period, the glasses. Yes, good period details there from uh, from Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon. <laughs> it is, uh, but but one of the things I suppose that comes out of this discussion between uh, Baz and Dave Boy and uh, and Alfie is that they haven't told anybody that they're going. Um, understandable, as we say, they're in the middle of a war uh, that's going on all around them. So Alfie's kind of explanation that if he tells anybody, it's as good as telling the Raven League they're leaving and going to put a target on their back and telling the police effectively, uh, going to put a target and more of a target on their back. Um, but I kind of like his plan is just to kind of leave a note behind with some money for whoever else is going to take over the club after they leave. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting with Sandy, isn't it? You know, uh, as, as Sandy's father said, um, the, the publican from season one. Good old um, Sid. Yeah, yeah, good old Sid. Uh, you know, they are, they are lovebirds. Um, yeah. but I'm not entirely sure how much love is going from the Alfie to Sandy direction mm-hmm. still. Um, I think it's always been a little bit lopsided and, um, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he really, um, is not telling her very well that it's all about his plans to go to America. Yeah. So I suspect Sandy is going to be right royally disappointed. I think she might be. I think she might be. I love that one where she's saying that she's got her, um, her session or her possible big break, uh, that's coming up in three weeks time. <laughs> she's like, you'll definitely be there, won't you, Alfie? And he's like, I'll try my best. <laughs> Not covering up. So what, what do you mean you try your best? You have to be there. And he's like, oh, things happen and things might get in the way between now and then. You never know, Sandy. <laughs> yes. Uh, I suppose Alfie is praying for the uh, Raven Union to attack on that night. Maybe, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe. It's good to see Sandy back uh, properly in this episode. We kind of mentioned last episode that she was there. Um, but seeing her with Sid uh, from the severed arms, uh, it's it's kind of, you know, at least confirmation that we were right, that that's the correct character. Because, you know, she had a minor role towards the end of the season last season um, so great to kind of get all the backstory here about what's happened to her over the previous year um, that that they've now moved into this kind of phase of her life where she's hopefully going to become a star and yeah. he's going to be her bodyguard uh, kind of thing you know that uh, big fantasy uh, that's going on that she'll have uh, have her boyfriend as her bodyguard protecting her as she travels the world with her music you know so. well that's it and, and also you know as you say it, it's good to see uh, Sid back as well mm-hmm. it's nice to have that that little cameo from him. I, th- I think as well, what is also difficult, difficult, lemon difficult, uh, for, for Alfie is with his mum. Um, mm-hmm. and I, this, this was one aspect I really liked. I, I mean, first off, again, just those nice little touches where he's saying, you're on the sherry and chips with Bonanza on the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just really good. You know, what, what might the neighbors, uh, say it's just the idea of sherry and chips as a combination. Um, oh, yeah, it and just doesn't just doesn't sound right. Um, and it's also time of day as well because Alfie keeps pushing the you need to be drinking a cup of tea right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not sherry and chips. Yeah. yeah. So his mum is basically you know drowning her sorrows, trying to deal with the death of her husband. The whole thing with uh, Alfie being there and kind of his involvement in in that whole explosive end yeah. to episode one and um, by by Swig all off the old sweet sherry you know and this was a really nice difficult moment here it it wasn't really an argument but you know she just kind of lays it on Alfie Mm. that he was complicit in his own father's death when Alfie tries to you know invoke the spirit of his dad to try and snap his mum out of the the sherry at 10 in the morning and your socks up yeah, and you know she she really is not wanting to to move to America at all, and it's almost like because she wants to she wants something back that is never going to happen because her husband's dead. Yeah, uh, but she feels like that can only happen in England, not in the US, yeah. and obviously 
They have animals that will kill you on sight. They're <laughs> light bears, cougars, that kind of I stuff. I love that she's saying, you know, uh, but in America, I just heard on the news that um, a, a man died when a bear had a go at him. You know, <laughs> kind of funny. I did wonder from the scene from the conversation with uh, with Alfie where she's saying the neighbors whisper behind, whisper behind her back, that's the woman whose son murdered his dad. I wonder whether Alfie's been able to tell her the true story of what happened um, or whether he's kind of protecting his father's reputation a little bit by not saying that he was there with the bomb, um, pressing the button and Alfie shot him in the arm. Remember, he didn't kill his father. He shot him in the arm and the bomb went off afterwards, killing his father and some of the other attendees at the at that um, big party at the end of last season. So um, so is Alfie maybe protecting his father's reputation a little bit by, I, I by think kind of so. taking, yeah. or is he taking the blame like Alfie has done throughout season one? Is he taking some more of the blame on board because it's easier for him to deal yeah, with? Yeah, and to protect his mum. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so. I think matters are then complicated further because his mum gets kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and like initially I was thinking, ooh, is this something from... John Salt that, you know, because he mentioned uh, his father, Alfie's father, being a hero to the union, mm-hmm. that somehow he was wanting to kidnap and 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 um, it may be in his mind rescue his mum uh, so that she could be part of the union, that, oh, okay. that law. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought it was initially um, the Raven Union that could have been coming in and kidnapping her. But I think more and more I'm, it's most likely to be um, Captain Gully, yes. um, who we saw in the last episode because he knows of this money being accrued by Alfie. Yeah. But um, she's and- held ransom for 20000 yeah. And uh, I-, I just love this moment with with the boys and um, with with Dave Boy and, and Baza helping uh, Alfie to go uh, to rescue her and um, actually just on a side uh, Dave Boy has some really uh, nice moments in this episode there's, there's a moment where um the, the the you know they're coming together to go and rescue her and he's fast asleep in one of the booths in the club and you just see him mm-hmm. raise up and it's just like that is perfect Dave boy uh, for sure that's, his, and, that's again it's been his introduction two episodes now he's just been uh, asleep in the background yeah he's, <laughs> he's sleeping off the the, the liquor from the mm-hmm. night before uh, and also then just you know when he realizes that the the money is the ransom and this puts the USA in jeopardy for them and mm-hmm. um, that he goes. You know, this effectively can't happen. I've I've got an appointment with Doris Day. Uh, really nice touches, <laughs> yeah. I think, for me. Yeah, absolutely. I really really enjoy these guys together. It's really uh, really good fun seeing their plans to travel Definitely. over to the US <laughs> together. It's kind of kind of cool, you know. Even even Bazaar learning how to play Texas Hold'em and kind of uh, giving out about how. Uh, how random the game is, you know. He's like, "Oh well, if I have to learn it, I'll learn it," uh, you know, kind of thing. But he's also saying to to Alfie, "He's going. This is not something that uh, that they're going to do together, all three of them." He's saying, uh, "Baz is telling Alfie he's definitely going on the road, no matter what kind of things could be holding Alfie back." Baz is definitely getting on that plane and getting out of there as soon as they get some money. And unfortunately, this has knocked them all back. 20K is a significant amount of money um, that Alfie's had to hand over here, you know. Uh, but I think you're right. Yeah, I think um, by virtue of the fact they have a very big actor in the role of Gully, and we saw him for a moment last episode uh, without the mask on. Uh, we did see him in more of the episode, but only for a moment without the mask on. You kind of get the feeling that Gully's got a much bigger importance. He's the one that knew they had the money. And the only other person that knew anything about it is Aziz. And he was there at the end, um, 
trying to arrest or trying to trying to find this other accomplice of Alfie's effective. Exactly. The, the I mean, first off, I think Gully probably got the incompetent soldiers from that uh, division. True. Uh, because I, I I love the comedy value of um, Alfie, you know, negotiating and saying, I want to see my mother before uh-huh. I hand over the money. And then in the back of the car, um, it just plays out really nicely, the interaction where he ends up being in the power position mm-hmm. And in the end, you think this is all going to play out quite nicely for for Alfie. Yeah. Um, ultimately, in the end, it all heads south because of the insertion of Inspector Aziz into the proceedings, which we we see earlier in the episode. You know that he's convinced that the recapture of Colonel Salt was because it was down to to Alfie, uh, you know, uh, playing both sides effectively. And so they've been following him. So that's the reason why for their involvement here. Yeah. Um, But again... Yeah, he tells Martha he's 87% sure that Alfie's involved. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. True inspector, true detective. And I I, I think what this negotiation for me was just so good because um, I, I thought... The argument, you know, the little Barney that's going on between <laughs> Alfie and his mom, where she's still in the caravan, he's mm-hmm. outside, and she goes, you know, that money's for my gr- grandchildren, if you have any. You know, it's just really <laughs> nice little mother-son kind of play on, yeah. you know, why are you here? Why are you saving me? Why are you wasting the money? You know, this is for your new life. This is for your grandchildren, if you have any. Yeah. Like, I thought this was really well written, well played, and well observed, mm-hmm. I think, you know, yeah. in terms of how it played out. Really nice. Absolutely. One of the fun things that I liked about this whole uh, this whole concept of the kidnappers coming in, I love that they call his mom beforehand and went, um, is Alfie home? <laughs> Which he yeah, says, no, exactly. it's like, all right, just checking. And they're in the door. You hear the car pull up or speed up outside. Uh, yeah, and that whole conversation with the with the two kidnappers or with the one kidnapper saying, uh, I need to see my mom. And then you kind of get that, I need to go and check with my boss thing. And Alfie knows, <laughs> okay, these guys aren't the brightest tools in the no, shed. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, really good stuff uh, in that scene. But yeah, this does push quite a big barrier between uh, Alfie and the boys to get over to the USA. So that kind of has, uh, as the title of the episode, it has burnt that bridge effectively. They yeah. have. Uh, also in this scene, the other burning bridge, I think that the, the episode title is referring to is the burning of the bridge really between um between Inspector Aziz and uh, and Alfie. Um, you know, not that Alfie and him had any trust after everything that happened in season one. There was no trust between them, but at least Aziz was able to go to Alfie with jobs and they kind of had a almost little bit of respect, but it looks like that's gone now by the yeah, way side definitely. after everything he's done here. So Yeah, it, it, it really does seem as though Alfie's plan has just begun to crumble, yeah. really. Yeah. That's kind of it for Alfie and the boys. Uh, let's talk about the Raven Union because lots going on over on the other side, outside of London, let's say. We get the return of Mrs. Gaunt, Francis Gaunt from season one, who was also in prison with Lord Harwood. Still no mention of how they actually got out of that prison uh, when we saw them all sitting, standing beside each other, Peggy, uh, Bess, um, Lord Harwood and uh, Francis Gaunt uh, in the Tower of London at the end of season one. But uh, still no discussion about how they got out of that situation. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know whether we will, but it was great to see Francis Gaunt back here mm-hmm. with Lord Harwood. It, it's a really interesting relationship, isn't it? Because I, I'm constantly thinking that Harwood 
is going to stab her in the back. Mm. Yet he does seem to value her opinion. There does seem to be, um, you know, an element of respect and Certainly. trust there. But maybe the Project Stormcloud uh, and um, that that operation to effectively um, chemically attack uh, these enclaves mm-hmm. of of resistance of the English League is something that Francis is definitely not up for and she's a little bit miffed that Harwood has kept this project um, out of her line of sight really. Uh-huh. I love um, how British you're getting as what I know, I know. A little bit miffed, yes. <laughs> but yes, she's, she's much more practical in the way that she wants to do things here. She wants to win. Like that's, that's effectively it. She wants to, she does definitely. want to win, yeah. but she's not willing to take the leaps that that Harwood wants to take you know this this conversation that they have about Stormcloud and why Harwood thinks it's important effectively is he wants to have the entire country back all of his enemies dead and all the buildings still standing in place and by using chemical weaponry that's what will happen you won't have you'll have the cost of lives of course but you won't have the cost of buildings and Francis is horrified by this, this idea that, you know, this surreptitious way of killing everybody rather than, you know, battles on the battlefield. You know, she's kind of okay with that. Um, but Harwood's trying to say there is a moral argument in this where uh, it's just as bad as bombs being dropped, but you will have the building standing afterwards. And she's kind of horrified by that uh, discussion. As you say, she does calm him down um, and he does agree that this is it, that, that he will end the program. Any possibility he'll end the program? Probably time? not. Probably <laughs> I not. So. I mean, I do like Harwood's little sort of bite back at her where she, you know, she's been, they've been looking for options to try and sort of um, stop the deadlock and to really push their advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, well, this is an option for, for you. You wanted options. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he seems to climb down, but I suspect that's not going to happen. And of course, you have the great smarminess of John Saltler in the room whilst mm-hmm. this is going on. Um, being just very officious. I mean, it, it's, it, it really is kind of a, a, a nice way of just showing that kind of, authoritarian regime it's a bit like with bet sykes trying to get in contact with lord harwood mm-hmm. in the episode as well we're having to go through all these operators yeah. and ultimately it's like well you're not on the list it's like death by bureaucracy um it, it does remind me of um futurama with uh the, you know what's it the 101 bureaucracy building mm-hmm. um just really you know forms for everything it's yeah. like oh Goodness me! Uh, absolutely. When you get when she gets to the final receptionist, uh, trying to call Lord Harwood, <laughs> and it's like I'm a personal friend. Put me through to him. Uh, that's not how it works, love. Uh, you're on the list, and then hangs up. You know, like how are they supposed to get in contact? Remember, <laughs> obviously, 1960s, no mobile phones. She's calling from a phone box to try and get in contact with Harwood. So, what this woman was thinking when she the the secretary, what she was thinking, saying to her, yeah, yeah, well, we, we've got your message. We'll get back to you. Well, there's no way you're going to be able to get back to Beth. I wonder if they will go as far in the show as Bet actually does meet up with that receptionist at some point. <laughs> I hope so, um, because I, really I reckon so. the phone is going to be shoved somewhere well, where the sun doesn't shine. Absolutely. I have to say, just on a side note, um, it did make me giggle because you've got this huge kind of, um, you know, uh, concrete headquarters of the Raven Union <laughs> stuck in the middle of the countryside. Um, and, it was just as as the the wide shot of it as it was moving in before it went into the scene with Francis Gaunt and and Harwood. Yes, it 
all you could hear was the sheep bleating <laughs> and you looked and there were all these sheep around and it's like this is the most unlikely place for a building of that size Absolutely. and look to be have been built and um, has it always been there yeah. was it built after they gotten out of prison um and it I just found it really, really comical. Um, and I, in the end, I have grown to love this ridiculous, massive HQ in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. surrounded by sheep, uh, just barring and bleating and, and you name it. I, I've just got this vision of like the local farmer sort of just still, you know, herding his sheep whilst this whole massive edifice is there uh, with like Operation Stormcloud. Uh, going on inside it um, I did or wonder, Project Stormcloud yeah I, I wondered if it was a, a former power station that they'd converted or something like that you know that, that's what it feels like um, and yeah the actual setup of the scene the, the establishing shot of the scene does remind me of <laughs> you know the Simpsons with the with the nuclear power station when every time it arrives you hear that crow call yeah. uh, that's the that's the initiation of a scene at the power plant and this one is this massive um, uh, massive huge building in the middle of Watford with sheep all around it bang away well that's <laughs> it it's like, I, I just love the ridiculousness of it yeah. I swear if we go back to season one we'll probably see that building in there yeah, somewhere probably. as well that we've just forgotten from season one so our apologies if we have forgotten uh, let's talk a little bit more about Beth Sykes um, also still kind of a member of the Raven Union at least she's still wearing her uniform uh, to begin with in this episode um, as she's standing at the bus stop in that hilarious moment trying to get away from uh, <laughs> they're on the run here you know they're trying to get away really quickly but have to wait for a bus you know the public transport system <laughs> in the US uh, isn't well known for being on time there's a lot of jokes about how poorly timed it is but she looks like she's there for hours uh do you know it it, it it's so familiar to me that that kind of scene you know a bus stop literally again in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. on a country lane um you know with a bus service that's once every 3 hours or yeah. something like that yeah. and uh, th- this was just so nicely done. I, just like, you know, the, the bloke there waiting seemingly to go to his office job and then Bet and her, her hostage. And of course, after this whole scene, just as it ends, you know, no bus in sight and uh, Bet Sykes stands, you know, stands up, walks out, looks both ways and is like, now, where's this, you know, effing boss? Exactly. It's just so well done. Yeah. And um, after ta- taking his jacket as well, taking his coat, <laughs> I love I love how his reaction to it when she's like, give me your coat. He's just kind of looking at her going, what is this woman talking about? You know, I put on my coat this morning because I knew I'd be waiting three hours for a bus. Um, but but yeah, that, that's a really familiar scene if you've lived in the UK or Ireland right, on the outskirts of any town. I remember when I lived on the outskirts of Dublin and, and Shankill in, in Ireland, uh, when I lived there for a year, um, we used to go out on Saturday evenings. Uh, you'd walk down the road at 7.30 in the evening to go into town to meet your mates. Um, and it could be two or three hours before a bus arrives. And you'd literally just <laughs> go go back home and go, like, I guess we've missed the pub tonight. We've just spent our night standing at a bus yeah. stop waiting to go to town. <laughs> so it is a familiar sight uh, when there are uh, poor transport systems. But I'm sure during wartime as well. Like, remember, this, the whole country is at war at the moment. So uh, so maybe maybe not too much blame in the way of the bus company. No, but I think with Bet Sykes in this episode, it was like, I'm kind of not clear yet what 
the the deal is yet now okay. with her because you know she's she killed her superior officer she's on the run she knows she's on the run she knows that word is getting out yet she's looking to get in touch with lord harwood um because she's a close personal friend well, and yeah. she you know um she wants to set the record straight and she's still keeping her prisoner the the leaguer katie browning with her um and she's still trying to get information out of her and yeah, it, it, it's a little strange. I mean, ultimately, when she fails to get in touch with Lord Harwood, she tries to contact her, her sister Peggy. That's right. So I'm really pleased about that because I, mean, I hope Peggy is back in in the next few episodes because mm-hmm. um, I think their dynamic is superb. But I'm just like, you know, is she a committed un- Raven unionist, I suppose, is, or is she kind of a little bit more fluid? And what's her deal with um, her, her prisoner? Because, mm-hmm. you know... She's helped her escape, and you're like, what's the reason for that? And yet in this episode, she's trying to still validate whether she knows anything or not by asking her to draw. Um, you know, she she brings the, the pencils yeah. and the paper and says, draw. You said you're an artist, now draw me. Yeah. I do like that scene because I like... Uh, the, 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 the pose that Paloma Faith puts on for her. It's real, like, portrait look. It's oh, like, she's it, totally channeling the, the queen there. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's also just, you know, it's in this really, there's this abandoned house, mm. um, that's probably cold, damp, and you've got blood up the walls. Yep. Some, um, somebody was executed. In that so, house. definitely. You know, it, it's, it's really, still unclear to me you know she's basically running from nowhere to the middle of nowhere okay. and uh, what is her goal here so the way i probably saw it within the episode here is that yes she is a close personal friend of harwood she's went to prison with with yeah, him you know exactly. and she saved him as yeah. well remember so she's she should be on the path to glory here maybe in the leadership room is what she feels she was sent off to be a captain in the interrogation center effectively uh off miles away from from Peggy, her sister, and miles away from the leadership team. And then this man who claimed to be her superior officer came in, tried to rape Katie Browning in front of her, and sent her off to make a cup of tea like she was nothing. So she that's she's out. And she wants to make sure that Harwood knows that this is not what she was expecting to be given as a as a prize for bringing him back from the streets effectively and putting him back into his leadership role. That's that's where she is. That's why she's so angry. But I think she also has some feelings for Katie Browning, um, possibly because Katie, as an artist, if she is one, we, we still have that question open here. But if she is an artist, that's a very free kind of life to be living. Whereas Beth has said the reason that she's in this position is because, well, that's where she's supposed to be. That's where life has put her basically yeah. whereas katie browning is free enough to be an artist and do something creative with her life you know um it feels like Bess was feeling very trapped uh where she was and was put there by the person that should be giving her the perfect role to live a great you know existence effectively whereas Beth had to go by everything you know you hear her talking about talk about the interrogation center where She's, t- she's saying to Katie, you are a terrorist because the machines say you are. And the machines are from America. They wouldn't lie. They know that you're a terrorist, even though I have my doubts that you might be a terrorist. Um, because you don't seem really up for it. You can't really stand the side of blood, which I would have thought all terrorists were fine yeah, with kind yeah. of thing. Um, you're but, soft for a terrorist. Yeah, I, I exactly. did like, yeah. But the machines say it. So therefore, 
if the machines are wrong, maybe everything's wrong. So she's questioning her whole existence, questioning everything about herself. And also, I think there's some feelings for Katie. I think there's definitely some sexual tension. Once again, with Beth, we we don't know much about what's going on in her personal life Um, from last season. We don't know whether she's a lesbian. We don't know whether she's bisexual. But there was definitely some moments last season where you did question um, her sexuality, I think. Uh, throughout the first season I think now with Katie I think there's a little sexual tension between the two of them or I at think, least on Beth's side I think so and I, I think as well just you know back in episode one she just says we have to fill our quotas so just say something so I think on the basis of that and then coming up against Katie who wouldn't cave to yeah, those demands I think there's maybe some kind of grudging respect for her mm-hmm. you know uh, a bit of attraction yeah. um, and also just the place of, of women in the Ra- Raven Union, possibly with what happened with her superior officer, not being able to get through to Lord Harwood, feeling, say, cheated, as you say. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think it's just I want to see maybe it's more about where this ends up. Yeah. You know, will she be with with Alfie at the end of it? Ooh, will maybe. Will it be too much for her to take or will it be something where she's able to accept and she's still on the side of the Raven Union. Yeah. So it, it, it's more that for me, yeah. Um, you know? Yeah, I agree. I really want to see that showdown with Lord Harwood, that moment where she's effectively telling him this is not how I imagined it to be. Uh, but that scene with Katie, that really did feel like, paint me like one of your northern girls. Uh, the kind of <laughs> Titanic <laughs> reference where it's like, sit there and draw me, draw me. Oh, you don't want to draw me, do you not? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so if if she does have any kind of attraction to Katie Browning, that I think that's going to be a terrifying situation to be in. It feels like almost like Beth's a bit of a serial killer. You know, it feels like I get what I want. Yeah, and if Katie's not interested, which she probably shouldn't be, because Beth's pretty seriously dangerous as a woman. You know, that that, yeah. that moment where she has the fight with the two uh, members of the Raven League beats them up, encourages Katie effectively, waits around for Katie to hit one of them over the back of the head, and then stabs both of them in the throat with a broken bottle to kill them. Like, that's that's brutal. That feels more serial killer-like than someone trying to get out of a dangerous situation. Well, I did, I did like her finishing the job. You know, it, it kind of reminded me a bit of Zombieland, uh, mm-hmm. where it's like they, you have the double tap, and it's like Beck Sykes is just really making sure that these guys don't get back up yeah. uh, and follow them further. Or, as you said, to report back. Yeah. And the so the bottle bottles. in the neck, and and you see Katie really, again, the idea that she's a little too soft for a terrorist. So maybe there's some grain of truth in in what, um, what she's saying. Although yeah. she didn't seem to be too um, enthusiastic about drawing. So maybe there is something still there. Yeah. I think, as well, just... The other little reference to her coming back with supplies to have a picnic in this blood-stained sort of moldy, damp house. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, there are cheese and ham butties mm-hmm. and then there are cheese and ham sandwiches. And I suspect yeah. this one is really, you know, that real soft white bread, mm. the thinly sliced ham, the sort of very bland cheese but i like the fact that it's washed down with a bottle of tizer i remember tizer as a kid i haven't had it in years i don't know um, whether that made it over to ireland uh, i think it's like red lemonade is. basically yeah, so okay. i think it's that in effectively okay. but i so love a, a dash tizer. of vodka with it might, might, might well yeah that was to help warm them up um <laughs> but i hadn't seen tizer in ages yeah. 
That's mad, isn't it? Yeah, that they yeah, they have this stuff. Like it does feel almost like a war rationy type of conversation. But it, you know, I, I like <laughs> yeah. you know, I like that Beth's kind of playing the housewife here. It's like I've got some bread, I've got some ham, I've got some cheese, and I got some tizer for us. We have a nice little picnic. It's like that is not what the woman who's just been handcuffed to a staircase for four or five hours <laughs> uh, is is expecting when she comes back. Um, anything else on the Raven Union um, for this point, John? No, that's all from me. All right, let's get on to the English League. Um, English League themselves not playing a massive part in this episode. We do see at the beginning of the episode, we see that Martha uh, is, is uh, shooting a few shots at the speaker systems. That's, uh, yeah, that stop are, the propaganda. Exactly, yeah, that are exactly. sending the propaganda into London. Um, and then that's kind of it for her for the episode. But yeah. we do see a round table. Yeah, of we the see English the League. High Council. Yeah, exactly. The, the English League leaders and some interesting representatives in there. Uh, yeah. yeah. See John Ripper in there, um, the descendant of Jack the Ripper, we believe, <laughs> from, uh, from London history. Uh, we saw him back in season one, the Gravedigger uh, from season one. Um, seems to be very interested in keeping the cities of England safe, all of them, Manchester, Liverpool and London. Uh, and I love that there is this discussion. If you're not from the UK, um, <laughs> you may not recognise this constant discussion that goes on, which is the centralisation uh, of policy dictates it's the, the north-south divide yeah absolutely yeah. but it's very much everybody i've talked to john is from northern england and i talked to a lot of his friends and family and very much the attitude in northern england is that london makes the decisions for london and forgets about the rest of the country so i like that this came out yeah, in really this conversation does. between the really poorly organized english league once again you know they seem to do a lot of infighting uh, all the time and don't really make much movement remember they've only got three cities and uh, one town effectively got Ipswich is that right or is so it? The, the, yeah they've got London Liverpool Manchester then there's Norfolk and Cornwall Norfolk, because I so. do like the fact here that you know there is the there's kind of the battle this north south divide battle yeah. between um John Ripper who's wanting to save Liverpool and Manchester as well as London and then there's Victor saying you know that they should just be sacrificed and we focus on on London (laughs) and then you get and then Bishop Potter allows the Woodcraft folk Mm -hmm. uh, to have the table and they're from Cornwall and um, you know he says this is getting very London centric this discussion Mm -hmm. Um, but you can see there then that um John Ripper doesn't particularly want to save Cornwall and he's yeah. like, Oh no, not the Woodcraft folk. <laughs> but it, it it felt it felt like something from the, the Lord of the Rings where it's like, and now we'll allow uh, you know our Elrons in Rivendell, we'll allow the Woodcraft folk to, to speak. Um so it that was kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. Um I thought. Absolutely. I don't think anybody's getting the support of the uh, of the elves and the dwarves uh, in this conversation. <laughs> it just seems like they're attacking each other, which is part of the the thing that's going on in the background to Alfie's story. Why is it that the English League they're led they're led by the Prime Minister and the uh, the Queen of England? You know, she's at the table as well. We see uh, Queen Elizabeth sitting there uh, taking this discussion, having the commentary and having the discussion with everybody around the table. So it's led by the Queen and the Prime Minister. Yet they have only three strongholds left in the UK. Yeah. Everybody's moved over to the Ravens, uh, the Ravens Union, or it's uh, unionization of the UK has obviously uh, gone a bit bigger than it uh, than it would have uh, exactly at any other time. And I mean, if the English League weren't so disorganised and fractious, then you now have the CIA really. Um, whilst they said they were going to stay neutral, they have decided to target Bishop Potter because mm-hmm. um, they he has a, a moral stance against uh, this newly developed bomb, the hydrogen bomb that yeah. we we see, and and the CIA are asking 
Thomas Wayne to intervene to try and discredit him in some way. And so that's kind of an interesting turn of events because Mm. whilst they were saying they would remain neutral, this course of action, even though it's not necessarily um, directly aimed at this this civil war in Mm -hmm. England is going to undermine the English League even further, potentially, and and cause it to be kind of rudderless without a leader for uh, a time. Yeah, Um, but at the very least, from the CIA's point of view, it's more just about getting rid of, regardless of whether he's part of the Raven Union or the English League, it's about getting rid of someone that has power and has a moral stance against the hydrogen bomb uh, for them. It's not specifically about undermining the English League, which is important to note, and also... Really but, important. But that's after, a side effect. It, yeah, exactly. But also really important that it kind of confirms what we thought last week. We kind of heard it in a line of dialogue that the prime minister is an is the archbishop. Um, that's quite a significant change that wouldn't happen in current society in the UK. You wouldn't have no. an archbishop who who would get into that kind of position of power. So the separation of church and state in the UK is very important. That's a, a very important thing that happened back to Oliver Cromwell's time, right? So, yeah, basically. Um, so what we're saying here is that may not have happened in the DC well, universe. Well, and Henry of, VIII. Well, yes. But, started with Henry VIII. Yeah. But what we're saying here is in the DC's version of London, this never happened. The, no, the exactly. separation of church and state is actually um, is not there because we have the Queen and an Archbishop who is the Prime Minister sitting on this board of uh, the English League. So that's just an interesting little DC touch from um, from uh, Danny Cannon and, and Bruno Heller. It is. And I, th- I think the really interesting thing here now is that Thomas Wayne, you can see he's uncomfortable with what his boss from the CIA oh, is yeah. proposing, but he... Um, you know, he stays the course and goes to an old satanic friend, if a friend yeah. is the right word, in Alistair Crowley. The return um, of John Joe O'Neill. Yes. Yeah, the Satanist. Um, and all to, you know, effectively undermine, discredit Potter, Bishop Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this was great seeing him back. He really plays... Um, it nice and creepily certainly in Delaney's bar where they have the the meat to to you know and the proposal yeah. to go after Bishop Potter and you know just for Crowley it it's it's the trophy of getting an archbishop and undermining uh, that and yeah. um, I, I do think maybe it, it's not as much of a challenge at all given um, some of the scandal that's come out around church I think you could probably just dig into a few records yeah. of, of schools and what have you mm-hmm. um, yeah. but nonetheless Crowley takes it a little further mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I do like the fact that he's seemingly wanting to pull the archbishop into some sort of satanic rituals so that the bishop understands what he is supposedly preaching against because yeah. he can't quite imagine or go to that place if he just tries it um, to close his eyes and think about it. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, that, I thought that was kind of really dark, actually. Um, but uh, it almost uh, reminded me of... Um, the Bishop of Bath and Wells from um, the Blackadder yes. series in Blackadder <laughs> Two, who you know is effectively a huge pervert, yes, um, and does money laundering, and yeah. ultimately has to sort of 
you know, gets exposed by Blackadder in yes. one of the episodes. <laughs> and I, I, I feel that this may go in a similar direction. Yeah, I kind of felt when the proposal came from Thomas Wayne that effectively, you know, Alistair Crowley is quite high up in the Raven Society, but doesn't have any power within them because effectively of who he is and, and that he is a Satanist and everybody knows that. Uh, he's kind of used as the as the, the wet ops person. He's the person that's used to take care of the things that nobody else wants to take care of. It's how it's said. Um, I kind of thought that that was going to be, that Thomas was going to him because he already had the information on Archbishop Potter. <laughs> but uh, but it turns out he's going to uh, he's going to encourage him to enter the dark world of Alistair Crowley. I suppose that kind of plays on season one. It plays on who the character was in season one. We had these very moral characters of Martha and uh, and Thomas going to visit him, and, and Thomas's sister, who's more well known for her uh, dabbling in uh, in every type of uh, of activity from uh, from drugs and drink um, to Satanism, effectively. But we saw that his sister got caught up in uh, in those uh, in Crowley's world. And then Thomas and Martha were both dragged into it. Yeah. Um, even though, as I say, they were both quite moral characters. So having Alistair Crowley kind of use this as his plan that he's going to perverse the bishop uh, into learning, you know, that, that idea of I could tell you, but it would be probably more uh, more of an experience for me to show you kind of thing. Uh, he's really playing the yeah. part like um, like Lucifer. Uh, like he really is. Yeah, yeah. Like, he like, is a corrupter and he's yeah. doing it in person, one-on-one -on -one exactly. with the Archbishop, which I, I think is really interesting. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Thomas Wayne has a nice uh, description of him as you are the carrion bird who does the, the Raven Union dirty work, which yes. I think is quite nice. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, ultimately this is a chance for, um, Crowley to sort of, become more prominent within the Raven Union yeah. and it also is a, a way for him to to get a kiss from Thomas Wayne it's like kiss 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 <laughs> kiss it was to seal the deal um, which I thought was kind of interesting just messing with Thomas Wayne's mind Absolutely. here yeah, yeah, but it is—it's kind of sealing the deal with the kiss, exactly, as as you say. You know, it's uh, that uh, that Alistair would try and corrupt the uncorruptible father of Batman. <laughs> so I just think that's a, a an interesting little touch. Uh, one final thing that I have on just the Thomas Wayne piece as well, because um, it was right at the start of the episode. Aziz seems to be encouraging Martha to use her womanly ways to get back in with Thomas Wayne, which once again, you know, we know the future of these characters is that they're together and they're the father and mother of Batman. Um, well, Bruce Wayne. But I think it's kind of interesting that part of the setup of the relationship could be coming from being pushed by political yeah, means to get together. Absolutely. An interesting little touch. Yeah, no, I, I think that is a really kind of interesting touch. Mm. And that, uh, at the moment, Martha and Thomas just seem so far apart. You can't really envision them coming together to yeah. be the, the mother and father of uh, Bruce Wayne. But yeah. it, it, so that's just, it, it is kind of nice having that situation because, you know, in Batman comics, in, in, in the universe, it is just that they're always just the couple and the alleyway. And mm -hmm. that's what's so good about this, this show is that sort of background that them being together was never inevitable like you just have in in the comic books really yeah exactly um but the other thing about the kiss from thomas wayne with, with crowley is that you know i think he really does hit the nerve crowley says you know in relation to the cia you're already sold so this is just a, a gesture of friendship for your soul and mm -hmm. um, you know that 
Thomas Wayne has been bought. He his moral compass mm. in that sense um, has gone from the the first season. He's just doing the bidding of CIA, even yeah. though he knows. It, it's not what he would do. He's just following orders. Yeah. So he's sold his soul already. So what does this kiss matter to you? Kiss, you know? Yeah. So I thought that was quite a nice little, um, sort of sucker punch really, yeah. uh, from Crowley to, to Thomas Wayne. Cause I kind of thought that was a reference to how far Thomas had been pushed when he was at Crowley's last time. Um, you know, with, uh, Ripper's nephew, wasn't it? Where it, it could he, be he as was well. So far to violence that possibly he almost killed him. But I was yeah. taking it in the context of w- w- the fact that he was approaching Crowley for this. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Um. I just, you know, Thomas w- would never go back to him. That's the yeah, history, exactly. and he he hates him. Well, and so it, that this is how desperate or mm-hmm. just how much he has sold out to against his principles yeah, and yeah. i thought that I was kind that. of interesting i see that i kind of get the feeling that alistair crowley might be the joker almost for uh thomas wayne in london here the person he, he yeah. may have to almost team up with sometimes uh, against his better judgment um not that batman ever teams up with the joker but uh, but i just kind of feel like they have the kind of exact opposite uh, to each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just wanted to note uh, about that scene as well with uh, with Alistair and and uh, Thomas. Um, Sherry didn't really take care of him the way that <laughs> Alfie had indicated she should. He kind of Al- Alfie had had been in the club obviously when Alistair and, and Thomas had the have the first meeting, and that's the first time Thomas has met up with with Alfie this season. Definitely some kind of rubbing the wrong way, but Alfie Alfie tells Sherry to make sure that they're taken care of. They both ordered their drinks, a G and T, and a milk, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Thomas Wayne. J- just to really highlight purity versus uh, decadence, evil uh, and decadence. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. but they never arrive. Um, throughout their whole conversation and it's not like they're not having a long enough conversation that she could have gotten a G&T which takes about 30 seconds per and a glass of milk delivered well in all honesty Delaney's I'm kind of like going he wants milk well they probably had to run out to the corner shop to get it I mean I know a white Russian will have milk in it yeah but I'm just there going it's England John everybody has a cup of tea wherever they go so you have if to have this milk is a on club. Tap. This is kind of like <laughs> doesn't matter. Tom? This is hard liquor club. <laughs> um, they probably like going uh, milk. Yeah, but Look, this is you know. a, for a friend of Alfie's. You know, I wonder if like when Alfie... people order like zero percent beer in like a pub, it's like. Well. Just get a water That's or something. Allowed. It's like when I ordered a steak in an Indian restaurant, um, which was really bad well, as well. So yeah, that was that was also <laughs> terrible. Uh that did they did have to go to the corner shop for that they one. They really did. <laughs> um the actual Indian food was gorgeous. Um you just chose the wrong type of food in the wrong type of restaurant. I did. I did, of course. Um but <laughs> but no, I was just wondering whether maybe Alfie's uh Alfie's phrase that he said to Sherry is that a is that a, a little opposite of what he was saying? Oh, was maybe, he saying to yeah. Sherry Treat him the way you treat my best friends, <laughs> you know, <laughs> quotation marks, you yeah, know, meaning, exactly. uh, meaning this is a person that gets nothing from me for free kind of thing. Uh, that's, a, that's just a quick note that I had on their, on their conversation, but that's an interesting one. You know, um, remember last season when we had Alistair Crowley, um, in there, it was a, a very psychedelic episode. There was a lot yeah. of confusing stuff going on in, in there. And I wonder whether we'll see a bit of that, um, with Archbishop Potter or will that be, left for our own imaginations to to see where Alistair Crowley takes him, what journey he takes him on. Well, you would think um, as well, because Potter does recognise Alistair Crowley. So right. I, I'm kind of there thinking, why would he kind of open 
himself up to this because he he must know being um the prime minister the mm-hmm. th- they must have some intel that he's with the raven union Maybe. and he does stuff for them you know so I, i'm kind of like going okay well let's see how this plays out it is really a long time since i heard intelligence and prime minister in the same sentence well that's that true you know, i know this was the 60s but you would expect that i do you know i, I kind of got the feeling from the scene that um the cia were actually on track a little bit uh with archbishop potter that potentially there is actually something about him that they think he would be open, let's say, to uh, the decadence that uh, that Alistair Crowley would be peddling. Yeah, um, I kind of got that feeling that um, th- that even Crowley knew that there's possibly something uh, there with with trying to pervert uh, this archbishop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that's I, I just wonder if that was if that's what was in there. We'll definitely see more of that uh, next episode. That's it for our overall discussion on Pennyworth uh, season two, episode two. Uh, John, anything else to talk about that we haven't talked about in the episode? No, not from me. Well, what did you think of the episode overall, John? Um, do you know, I, I thought there were lots of nice little bits in this episode. I don't think it's the best episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would give this three and a half bottles of fizzy tizer out of five okay it, it it moves the story along it really sets up you know we kind of had the dive in at the deep end and straight into it with action and a really good first episode yeah. this feels now like because of the the time jump and because it, it is a whole new story and um, this is just laying the foundation of that story a bit further and yeah. really putting um the characters in the places to set up sort of some of the story threads over the next few episodes mm-hmm. or maybe for the entire series uh, absolutely required without a doubt and it like, is yeah. and but I, I think they keep the you know the whole spirit of that so to me it just felt felt a little functional at times mm-hmm. um but it has the spirit of pennyworth in there with alfie and the boys you know their interaction alfie's interaction with his mom just you know the little uh, i mean Bet Sykes again with some great lines. Um, just I think is always a standout for me. Yeah. But you know, bringing back uh, Alistair Crowley um, it, it is a really nice moment as well. Mm-hmm. At least seeing a bit more, even though it was still limited, um, with Francis Gaunt uh, and Lord Harwood because yeah. they they weren't really in the first episode in the same way. No, no, they're um, just on, on camera. Weren't yeah, they? Just, and, and, and the and same only Harwood that was exactly, and the same way with the High Council. So yeah. you know, there, there were some great lines in this again, some really funny moments and just funny weird observations that I really liked yeah. uh, in this. So. Overall, three and a half bottles of fizzy tizer nice. uh, out of five. Nice. Yeah, I agree with you. There's a couple of good things uh, about the episode as well. You know, you're in season two now, so to expand the world almost, or to keep keep showing that this is a world, it's good to have characters back from season one. You know, as as you mentioned, Alistair Crowley, uh, seeing John Ripper back, uh, yeah. and the council, seeing Francis Gaunt back, even seeing Sid Onslow back, uh, the father of, of Sandy, uh, Alfie's sort of girlfriend. Um, you know, even seeing him back in the show, you know, you see that there is this world still there. There is Definitely. still all these characters from season one that are coming back. So that's a good thing. Uh, you're right, though. I, I wonder, you know, we, we've mentioned this before we're recording these in advance of the release uh, release date and we actually don't know the release schedule for the episodes uh, we know that episode one is coming out on the 13th of december uh, episode two should be out on the 20th of december um but we know last year with epics that they did release a few episodes uh, they put them back to back or release them on the same day i wonder if they're going to do that this 
this year. Will they put episode three on the same weekend? Because as we said, holidays are coming. Uh, perhaps they want to keep put two episodes on on the same night. Uh, I think it might work better like that to have this kind of setup episode with episode three uh, set directly yeah. after it, uh, potentially. Um, but just intrigued to see uh, what's coming up on the next episode now that we have all the setup here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us for our episode two podcast. We got some feedback in on episode one. First up, we've got an email from Will B. He says, hello, gents. It's so great to have you podcasting again. I really enjoyed the fact that the actor who plays Bazaar gave you guys a shout out. That was really special. First, I think it's a fair point about it being weird that this is an English show with English humor and cultural references being made but for an American audience. However, I will say we aren't all lost on British culture and dialogue. Many of us are big consumers of TV movies made in the UK. We do have this little streaming platform called Netflix over here too. <laughs> I'm a big fan myself of Luther, The Crown, Doctor Who, Crims, etc. So I'll, so it definitely isn't going totally over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Will. Um, yeah, I think I, was, I wasn't I was 100% clear on what I was trying to say. I think it was more that it's being made by an American um, company for an American audience and we don't get it till six months later, I think was more uh, what I meant. It, was, it wasn't really that that people in America don't understand it. People are big fans of uh, of UK shows over there. Totally understand that. But uh, I do find it funny that in the UK, the show's coming out um, three or four months later in the first season. I think uh, they've just announced that season two is coming out on January 29th. But that's still, you know, the full season has aired by the time that comes out. So yeah, uh, that's absolutely. why I thought it was just, it was just interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, so, some of the turns of phrases can be maybe culture specific you know for sure uh but uh yeah i mean there's quite a lot on netflix there to consume yes you want i think if you've watched luther you'll definitely guess the uh the tone of some of the uh some of the things that the characters on this show say definitely definitely (laughs) uh will continues as for this episode i am so glad that we're able to give us something good to close out this miserable year known as 2020 the first takeaway that i had was that and maybe this is just me, but salt is terrifying. Uh-huh. Something about the calm and collected psychopath of villains just shaped me to the bone. So naturally, when he escaped, I'll bet sooner than I expected, I immediately began to worry about what's to come for the boys. Loved Paloma Fate's performance this episode. I really don't know which direction her character is leaning right now, but generally, you get fired if you bludgeon your boss to death, even if he is pond scum. Also, I'm looking forward to her interactions with Katie Browning as I foresee her having a positive moral influence on Captain Sykes. Looking forward to the rest of the season and the great podcast that will come from it well i'm off to have a cuppa ta-ta chaps will <laughs> thanks so much will some great points there yeah totally agree with you salt is absolutely terrifying yeah thanks will yeah salt will be an interesting one to watch and um, just see how his character maybe will be bigger than what it is maybe at the moment mm-hmm. or whether he is just um re- you know around this um Stormcloud project mm-hmm. and Paloma Faith totally agree. I think you know she is one of the actors in this that absolutely makes the show. Yeah. She's got great um presence. I love the dialogue that is written for her. I love yeah. how she delivers it. Absolutely. And you know it, it's so so good. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for your feedback. Hopefully you join us for the rest of the podcast. Will I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Yeah, thanks so much, Will, again. Um, over on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries, um, Roger Sprong said, one of my favorite small moments was when Alfie's mom answered the phone and it was the queen. He still seems to have a thing for Alfie, but Alfie really didn't want to talk to her. 
Alfie giving the queen the brush off. That is really funny. <laughs> I still think this is more of an alternate reality. Alfred and the timeline was blurred even more. The scenes in the club remind me of the 1940s. Remember Casablanca? Mm. George Orwell died in 1950, but here he's still alive and all of the 60s references. Mm -hmm. Captain Sykes picked up from where she left off being unpredictable and I vote for Scones. Long O pronunciation ah, scones, yeah, is what totally wrong there roger <laughs> sorry to say um but i i'm absolutely uh with you that you can give a, a long o to the the scone um even though that is weird for me to say <laughs> um a chicken cutlet is basically just a chicken breast that has been sliced and pounded very thin. Uh, okay. Interesting. I didn't realise that at all. That's interesting, Roger. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Good, a good one. I've never seen one of those. It's like, um, what's the one in, in Switzerland? The pork that's... The, yeah, the schnitzel. schnitzel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and finally, Roger says, last season there were 10 episodes, and I believe there are 10 scheduled for this season too. Roger signs off with, the two of you haven't missed a beat doing the podcast really great thanks so much roger for thanks, that roger. Um, that's really nice i know what you mean actually i hadn't really picked up on it but the, the 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 telephone call with the queen and alfie brushing her off just because we know that yes queen and alfie did have uh, a little flutter in uh, buckingham palace uh, <laughs> together of which no one is to know of it uh, uh -huh. other than us as the audience but uh, that that's really nice that there's a, a bit of um, tension, uh, romantic tension there uh, between the two, primarily from the Queen's side. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, it's, it, this is definitely a blurred reality. Um, I, I, li I like the idea of the Casablanca uh, from the club. It is, it's that smoky, um, yeah, it's got a lovely, lovely feel for it. And yeah. I, I think um, Danny Cannon is fantastic in the lighting, the staging, the yeah. atmosphere that he creates in 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 bars. It, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, so he's he's always had that for bars back to Gotham, hasn't he? He's always yeah, had that kind of definitely. style about him. Uh, definitely check out his Instagram account as well, Danny Cannon over on Instagram. He has been putting up some uh, shots. I think actually it's one of the things he was doing between season one and season two. He was putting up some shots of some of the buildings and locations that they were using for Pennyworth. Uh, check him out over there. Roger, thank you so much. It's great to be back in the world of Pennyworth. We're really enjoying being back here because it's always much more fun, I think, going back for a second season when you're podcasting, particularly on a show, um, because you have this whole kind of backlog of all the knowledge that you have from season one, and then you forget things, and you have wonderful listeners like Roger who's pointing it out. So yes, we haven't missed a beat doing the podcast. We've just forgotten all the things that we should know. Um, I think I made mention that I thought there was eight episodes in season two of, uh, of Pennyworth. That's totally my fault. We got the first four episodes of the show, and I assumed it was half of, uh, half of the season, but no, there is 10 episodes. I've seen that up on, up on IMDb now. So two more episodes that I thought. That's great. Yeah, really good. Thanks again, Roger, uh, for the feedback. Mm -hmm. Really good to get your comments in. Absolutely. One other thing that's good about coming back for a second season, some of our listeners come along in between two seasons and listen to the show. Uh, like Fiction Boy over on Apple Podcasts, who left us a review for our first season. He says, five stars, brilliant. These guys really should have more reviews. Pennyworth is a fantastic show, and these two hosts do a great job covering it. They're British, so that helps a lot. They pick up on a lot of the Britishisms that others wouldn't. I am glad I found this podcast. I didn't find it until episode five of the show, so I'm going to go back and watch from the beginning just so I can hear their recaps. It's really disheartening when you love a show and find a podcast covering it, but the hosts don't get all the references and nuances. 
That's what I found with another Pennyworth podcast. Fortunately, these guys know what they're doing and can break it down in a decidedly British manner. Okay, I'm off for a cuppa. Cheers. Also, I'm a Yank. thank you so much fiction boy Mm -hmm. for the review that's really nice um thanks so much for the review i mean it's just good to really get feedback uh, and get you know just so we can you know keep on on top of what we're doing and of course yeah yeah, i suppose we do very much give a um you know this side of the atlantic uh slant to um pennyworth yes yes we catch a few irishisms and a few scottishisms as well uh in the episodes too uh but really nice hopefully you're back now for season two of uh of pennyworth as well thanks for leaving us that uh during the summer and finally over on twitter we got a piece of feedback from patrick lemke who just pointed out a little connection between gotham and Pennyworth. Uh, as we know, Danny Cannon and Bruno Heller both worked at Gotham uh, with the character of Alfred, uh, played by Sh- Sean Pertwee over there, the wonderful Sean Pertwee, one of our uh, one of our favourite characters uh, over on the show. Um, and he pointed out there's a connection between one scene back in Season 2, Episode 2 of Gotham. Um, Patrick says, hmm, are there dark times ahead for Sid Onslow? Well, it sounds like there could be. Um, what a great spot from Patrick. Uh, thanks so much for sending the the tweet because yeah it, it's a really nice spot uh, and of course Danny Cannon and Bruno Heller involved in Gotham so that that kind of connected universe is really possible uh, with Pennyworth and Gotham uh, even though it may not necessarily directly link in there some of these nice little name drops that we um, have seen in Gotham that maybe Danny Cannon and Bruno Heller are referencing uh, within this Pennyworth uh, universe over in, in Britain. Yes, yeah, so you know that what Patrick's talking about. Here's the clip. I once knew this geezer called Onslow in the Isle of Dogs in the East End of London. Larry Little, scallywag he was. He was too smiley by half. Never trusted him. Anyway, one day, Lucius, he comes bowling up to me and he asks me to do him this right iffy favour oh it doesn't matter what it was the point being against my better judgement I agreed to do it but Lucius I told him I told him straight I said you let me down on slow I'll tuck you up sunshine like a kipper he swears blind swears on his mother's grave he'd never do such a thing but of course he did couldn't help himself he let me down so I tucked him up. Like a kipper. What is a kipper? It's a type of smoked fish. Very nice with eggs and brown toast for breakfast. <laughs> it's a great clip, isn't it? Yeah, um, really good clip. Always great to hear Sean Pertwee's voice, you know, especially talking about food. Uh, he's also the voice of MasterChef over here. Yeah. And so uh, it's a great to hear him talk. And I remember all the way through Gotham, that was one of the scenes that really stood out from uh, from Sean Pertwee. I remember having to explain, uh, took me up like a kipper uh, when we did our Gotham podcast as well. You know, it's uh, prep- preparing a corpse like a kipper effectively that's what he's saying he's talking him up like a kipper he's he's preparing him like you would serve a fish is effectively the the gag there but the big piece to take out there is he says he once know, knew a geezer named onslow in the isle of dogs east end of london sid onslow is the father of uh, alfie's current girlfriend so uh will we see sid onslow um put a task to alfred that he will have to tuck him up like a kipper? that would be awesome <laughs> and what as i say 
Patrick Lemke, great spot there. Absolutely. Um, so good. Uh, I really hope it is connected. You know, um, it, it would just make sense. And yeah, we get to see Onslow tucked up like a kipper. <laughs> I don't really Maybe with a nice like. poached egg on top on <laughs> some brown toast. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you all so much for your feedback on episode one of the show. Hopefully we'll hear from you again. Uh, email us over to feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com with any of your thoughts. Come on over to Twitter. Uh, you can get us on Gotham TV Podcast and on TV Pod Industries uh, over on Twitter. We have two accounts over there just for a bit of a laugh. Um, you can also come over to our Facebook group as John mentioned to facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries I put up a spoiler post each week for each of the episodes uh, where you can share any thoughts you have yeah and of course you can leave a review uh, on any of our podcasts on any of the podcast catches that are for you exactly yes. good or evil whether they're good or evil or they're Raven supporting or English League supporting yes, yes exactly <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for Season 2, Episode 2 of Pennyworth. We'll be back next week with Pennyworth, Season 2, Episode 3, The Belt and Welt. Yes, interesting title. Yeah. Um, and yes, remember, fellow governors, make sure you remain subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcast catcher of choice. Um, you can just go to tvpodcastindustries.com to search for any groovy or ungroovy podcast catcher mm-hmm. of your choice. And of course, if you want to share us, leave a review, rate us because sharing the podcast is sharing the love. You can also join us over on Patreon, if you want to support us in that way as well, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash TV podcast industries. Uh, but yes, uh, it is great to uh, have your support in any which way uh, you decide. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks once again for joining us. Hope some of you are going to be able to get out to the cinema to see Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, hopefully we're going to get to see it uh, really soon as well. We will be covering that on the feed here uh, on TV podcast industries. As soon as we get to see it, I want to make sure that all three of us, myself, John and Chris are all able to get out to see it, whether it's in the cinema or on streaming. Um, and hopefully we will have it up pretty soon uh, on this feed. So as, as John mentioned, make sure you stay subscribed and we'll be back next week with episode three. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks so much, fellow governors, for joining us. As always, it is a pleasure speaking with you. Absolutely. And enjoy your holidays, of course. If yes. you celebrate Christmas, uh, enjoy Christmas. If you're not celebrating Christmas, enjoy the day off uh, if you get it. Uh, but enjoy your time uh, over the over the uh, fallow period where you hopefully get to see some family. Yes. The but goose is getting is fallow, fallow. Is fallow the right word? I kind of I meant the so. relaxation. It's sedentary. Maybe, yeah, yes. Watch some watch some movies on telly, uh, Christmas or not, play some games uh, and watch a bit more uh, Batman-related stuff while yes. you have some time. And sit down in front of the roaring fire mm-hmm. with the dog stretched out in front with your favourite tipple, feet up, and listen to the dulcet tones of TV podcast industries. Because remember, keep watching, keep listening, fellow governors. Bye. Bye. Bye.